In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. It's the Christmas season here at See You Next Week in Space. We are about to dive into our holiday series of films, and I am kind of excited about this one that we're kicking (laughs) off with. Um, And I guess I have two questions that I sort of want to ask you, and I'm trying to think which one would be the better one to start off with. Um, Yeah, maybe I'll ask you this. Uh, And it seems like it would be weirdly not in the holiday season to ask this, but this is what I associate with this film, so I'll start there. Um, Do you feel or have a memory of a movie that you watched as a child that you watched when you were too little, and so it, like, and maybe it was scary or maybe it wasn't, but for whatever reason it left, like, kind of, like, a very strong, potentially scarring impression on you hmm that is a good question I feel like there's a lot that I probably watched that like maybe I was too young for but I don't know that I would say any of it was particularly scarring Mm. I mean like we've talked a lot about Gaslight I was probably younger than I should have been when I watched that but I remain to love that movie I mean, that one, I guess it is, that one maybe isn't great. I'm like, oh, what's wrong with that? And then I'm like, oh, well, it is about this husband driving the wife. It's really not great, but I, it's really not great, but I do think it maybe is almost even too heady for a young kid to be fully aware of what's all happening. Like, yes, we know he's the bad guy. Yes, we know there's like a murder involved and he's like the murderer, but I don't know that like at however old I was when I watched it, I understood gaslighting sure. or like, sure. you know, the whole, yeah. that whole, but the movie that came to mind when you said it, and I just, it's going to be a weird answer, but, uh, is hug a bunch and it's made for children. <laughs> so that's a weird, I recognize that that's a weird answer, but like uh, that movie's kind of fucked up. It is. I rem- well, I am also scarred by hug a bunch, but for a very different set of reasons. <laughs> <laughs> and I and don't get me wrong, like I loved it and I watched it of my own volition. Like Yes, and that's what scarred me was how often you insisted on renting it from the video <laughs> yes. store. And that's fair because it was every single time. But like, I mean there I think at a point there was a ban put on Hug a Bunch, I'm pretty sure. I don't remember if it was yeah. from you or from mom specifically. I mean but, that I think was even in the era when dad was still living with us too. So like I think it that was a united front. That was like a triumvirate. Yeah, y'all are mean. Where we were like, this can no longer cross the threshold into this home. Because 
and here's the part like obviously like the part where they go through the mirror and they're in this weird hug a bunch land like that's weird enough but then there's also like a real creepy witch in it yes and and um, and from what i recall of hug a bunch which i've tried to erase so much from my mind um (laughs) i feel like i thought looking back like even the hug a bunch characters who are meant to be the lovable ones are creepy yes like they look well, yeah, because they're kind of like. Well, it's also like the reminiscent of like um, Wizard of Oz, in that like that's also a very creepy movie. Again, pretty much branded to kids, but like very creepy themes, and also like the Lollipop Guild always freaked me out in that. Even well, though they yeah, weren't supposed they, to be bad guys, because they had a weird face thing. They did the bad face thing. But I feel like there were some of the hug a bunch ones that maybe did some of that weird face stuff. Like I know they were like big it, like I made puppets, the mis- but Yes, I made the mistake of Googling Hug a Bunch dolls. Oh, I'm about to do it right now. Um and yes, the, uh, no good. Um Oh my god, the Hug a Bunch dolls movie. Oh my now now I really kinda wanna watch it. Um <laughs> And this is not the first time we've talked about Hug a Bunch on this, I don't even think, because that's Probably like not. How, deep it, how deep it's run for me. But anyway, that's the movie that kind of <laughs> came to mind for some reason, even I though think, I yes. loved it. I, I mean, I think it's like, it's, I don't know if I, you would describe it as scarring you in this, but although a scar leaves a mark that's with you forever, um, and this movie that you're describing has been with you forever. And the yeah. movie that we're talking about this week, for me, um, very much left an impression um, whenever mm-hmm. I ran across this as a small child first. And I was, like, deeply terrified of really? the creatures that are featured in this movie. I don't think I ever saw it as a kid, for real. Like, I don't, I don't think I ever maybe sat down and watched the whole thing until, like, just very recently. Well, I know I didn't watch it as an adult until, again, not this most recent time, but I, I, as I was watching it, I was like, I think I've seen this once before as an adult. And there, but, I, but it wasn't, honestly, probably until I was like in my late 30s because I because was Because you were so afraid, afraid of it? <laughs> yeah. Really? That is yeah. so interesting. And yeah. how do you feel? I, I guess, I don't know if we should say what it is before we say more, but sure. Like, well, let's say what it is. So okay. welcome, everyone, to see you next week in space. I am Sarah Walsh, and I'm here with my sister and co-host, Amy Walsh. Amy, what are we talking about this week? Well, we are talking about a movie that no one has ever heard of. Um, the 1984. A small little that, indie <laughs> film. Yeah. Um, the 1984 classic, Gremlins. Correct. Now, so now, yeah, what, what were you going to say? Yeah, I was going to ask, so, like, that's your... When something imprints on you like that, like what what is your reaction as an adult to those same to the same creatures, the bad gremlins? Yeah, I mean, I guess when I was watching it again this week, and I mean, they are gross. They're definitely gross. There's definitely something unpleasant about them, though it's maybe hard to quite put a like a pin in specifically what you don't like about them. Um, well, they look like weird, like snake slash rat slash. Like, yeah, they're they're like a, a combo of a lot of un 
appealing creatures. Yeah. Um, and then they have a lot of unappealing behaviors. Um, that too. But yeah, like, I guess, how would I say? When I watched it as an adult, I was like, oh yeah, this is definitely off-putting. And it definitely, like, and we'll talk about this, I, even from between whenever I last watched it and this week... I had forgotten how extremely violent it is. Um, mm. Like, not for me as an adult, but, like, a child seeing this, like, would well, be, I like... Think, well, well, yes, but I will, not to, like, not to be argumentative, but I think there's a lot of violence in a lot of movies that kids watch in all types of True. different ways but especially I feel like in the 80s there was a lot less I mean in general I would say kids movies were a different breed back then and yeah not that this was necessarily like marketed as a kids movie I don't know if it was well we'll um, talk about it because there's an okay. interesting story there because now we're very much more precious about kids let's be real yeah like, I mean look I think that I don't yeah and I'm not like, saying it's wrong or bad either particular way necessarily but yes, I do think our generation is a little fucked up. So maybe it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. The thing is, is I don't know what is right because we've been either. so skewed by whatever we were watching as children that like, yeah. you know, and the fact that like the adults making that content were very clearly all like dealing with substance abuse problems. Sure. Um, I mean, Teletubbies is fucking weird too. So like, who knows? Well, that's even still like I, when I watched... Yeah, like the things that kids watch now, which is like Bluey and Peppa Pig and Paw Patrol. Paw Patrol. Um, and Daniel Tiger and all these things. I don't know what that is. Um, it's like I've seen... Those things have passed across my eyes. I've like seen what they yeah. look like. And I am like, this... Is garbage? I, I don't like it. I don't like it. Well... Um, and it's because I'm not a child, first of all. Yeah, I mean, I was like, going to say... <laughs> Um, but yeah, but I think, I do think that, well, yeah, it's hard to say because there's so much bias, like, that goes into it and being like, oh, things were better. I mean, Hug a Bunch is what we just talked about. It's no better than, you know, Paw Patrol, but it is, I'm trying it's to It's definitely like, worse than Paw Patrol. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but like, but they... But things like classics, like maybe sure. a Sesame Street or, sure. uh, you know, whatever. Yes, those, those touchstones. Those are probably better. Yeah, those touchstones remain for children. And I guess, like, the truth of it is, is, like, I think just a lot of kids programming, I think there's, like, a lot more effort put into it now in terms of, like, mm. not just, like, oh, kids would probably like staring at this, but, like, genuinely, yeah. like, this will help them do these X, Y, and Z things yeah. and, like, whatever or learn specific yeah or like, like kids react to these kinds of colorscapes more you know like i think there's more yeah. thought put into a lot of children's stuff than maybe there was when we were kids but i still for well, you're all right that, i think people were just all people were all just high doing it when we were kids. i mean like when were, you when you think about the fact that like what like so this is also weird it's right and i guess it's also just about like when whenever you get exposed whatever you get exposed to is like gremlins scared me for a subsequent 35 years or whatever um meanwhile that's pretty bad meanwhile i watched labyrinth incessantly 
and like was fine with that you know and that's also got weird trolls and gremlin like things in it so and that other one what's the other one that's also creepy the lamb not the lamb before time although that one there's some issues in that too but um well, there's Dark not, Crystal. That's a scary dark, the one. Other, the, other, the, the other one with the big white flying dog. Oh, Never Ending story. story. Yes. Also yeah. very concerning. Yes. <laughs> to be honest. Um, yes. Yes. So, yeah. So who's to say? But yes, this one left a real impression <laughs> on me in particular. Um, and maybe it's because it came out in 1984 Um, so I am positive I certainly didn't see it in the theater, but I would have probably maybe seen it on video when I was quite young, you know, and so, um, it would have been concerning and confusing to a young child to see this movie. Um, because as the IMDb description tells us, this movie is about, quote, a young man inadvertently breaks three important rules concerning his new pet and unleashes a horde of malevolently mischievous monsters on a small town. Yeah, that doesn't sound good. No. Um, also a bit kind of, uh, well, yeah, so this goes back to the scariness bit. So this movie was released um, as a summer blockbuster option on the 8th of June, 1984. So I genuinely would have been newly three years old when this movie came out. Are you trying to say out. you saw it in the theater? No, I know I didn't. I know oh, I didn't. Okay. I'm, but what I am saying is that means it probably cycled into video when I was still really young and somehow got exposed to it from there is what I think gotcha. happened. Um, so it's a summer movie, summer release, um, and it's released the same weekend as Ghostbusters. Um, and in fact, that was a good weekend. I know. And come, came in second behind Ghostbusters, uh, that weekend. Um, and a good double feature. (laughs) I know it's, it's a good weekend to be at the movies in 1984. Um, now, intriguingly, from what I've gathered, um, the trailer that was most often used really focused quite a lot on Gizmo, and um, uh, so yeah, uh, and so there was an impression because I'm trying to let me have a quick people look here. thought they were seeing something different. Yes, people thought, based on what the trailer looked like, it looked a lot like E.T., which had come out in 1982. Okay, yeah. And so little kids, kids my age, you know, like, four, like three and four yeah. years old, were being brought to this movie that was, you know, at summertime, school is out, you know, like kids are being brought to this yeah. movie, and... The way they're describing it is that, like, um, parents were getting up and walking out when, like, stuff was happening. Um, And so, intriguingly, the release of this movie and also Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom the same year, um, which, again, because Indiana Jones, the previous one, had been relatively kid-friendly, um... The, and especially Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom featured um, 
That little kid. That little kid who is now in everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, yeah. What's his name? His oh, I'm name. forgetting. Um, all I can think of him as in Temple of Doom, he was hot round. Um, <laughs> that was his name? Yes. And I don't, I don't know why. So I that can't answer really the question of that. <laughs> Um, That's a disturbing name, but okay. But, like, because also Temple of Doom is my least favorite Indiana Jones movie. Um, And it's because it's really gross and quite violent. Um, And so this movie and the Indiana Jones movie caused such an uproar among parents because they were like, we, like, the the trailer suggested that these movies were, like, okay for kids. Mm -hmm. And then we get in here, and this is like blood and guts and violence, and my kid is crying, and I don't like this. Um, yeah. So, in and fact... They, and they were like, we don't care. No. This caused Steven Spielberg, who produced Gremlins, and I think also is... He might... I can't remember if he directs the Indiana Jones ones or if he's also an executive producer there, but basically, he then went to the Motion Picture Association of America... Who was responsible for create? Who who created the ratings system? Um, they were like he was basically like let's create a new category because at that point the ratings in the U.S. were G, general audience, PG, parental guidance, and R. That was basically oh an X, but like that's not really what we're Yikes. dealing with. Um, <laughs> He's like, so, I got to make sure we don't have any kids going to X-rated movies. So he was like, okay, so let's add a new category, which is PG-13, which will basically let really? people know, yes, that like a younger teen can go to it, but a child should not. How interesting. This, so this is the movie behind... The PG-13 rating. How very interesting. Yeah. Um... So in and of itself, also kind of just a weird thing to think about. So this movie is set on Christmas Eve, but it was released in summertime. Um, And I I don't precisely, there was no clear reason as to what the studio might have been thinking as to why that was chosen, but that is what is happening. Um, In terms of Gremlins, the concept, and where this comes from, Um, This is a direct quote from Wikipedia. The notion of gremlins was first conceived during the 1920s when mechanical failures in the Royal Air Force, um, that's the British uh, Air Force, the Royal Air Force, um, when RAF craft were jokingly blamed on the small monsters. Um, So like when a new plane or a new piece of technology doesn't work and there's seemingly no reason why it's failing, Often people say that's gremlins in the system, right? Um, and, it, and in part, too, I always was told that, because I knew this origin story of it being that pilots in particular talked about gremlins in planes. Hmm. And I, I always thought what I had heard was as well that, like, because often in older styles of planes, it's just you yourself piloting it. Like, there's really no one else there. Um, and so if you're up in bad weather or you're up and you're, you hear strange sounds, you think you see things that aren't there, you know? Um, yeah. And so you're like, oh, it's, it's like little green men or something doing <laughs> this. Um, 
And so this also uh, is a Chris Columbus written vehicle. Um, and in fact, this movie uh, began as Chris Columbus's spec script, um, which we've talked about before in other uh, episodes, but just for re refresher, a spec script is the kind of script that a screenwriter will write to send around to different studios to be like, see what I'm capable of doing. But usually it isn't imagined as ever becoming a movie itself. Um, okay. Yeah, it's just to show your skills, basically. Um, uh, but Steven Spielberg really liked this concept, and so it was selected to actually be made into a movie. Um, in the original version, Gizmo is the one who transforms and becomes the mean leader of the gremlin pack. Um, but as things started to change, uh, that changed as well as like, no, we, people like Gizmo to remain the cute one mm. and the nice one. Um, other fun fact, uh, they tried to use monkeys at first to play the gremlins. Whoa. Yeah. Um, but that proved too difficult for a number of reasons. <laughs> um, like real monkeys? Yes, real monkeys. That they were... So, like, in particular, one of the main reasons, and this, again, is according to Wikipedia, one of the primary reasons now, like, I would think using monkeys would be difficult for the following reasons. Part one, poop everywhere. <laughs> um, sure. Well, real animals in general, yes. That's yeah. what you're going to be dealing with. Part two, hard to control. Um, yep. If you want them to be doing the things like these gremlins are doing, like smoking cigarettes and riding skateboards and like all this stuff, I'm like, I'm not sure that a monkey really can do all those things in the way that you want them to be done. Um, yeah. And then part three would be just kind of like, Potential for animal cruelty, you know, these things. Like, I think all of those things are higher on the priority list. But what the internet said was that the main reason that they were ultimately, like, scrapped for puppets was because the monkeys freaked out when they tried to put on ears and things on them. <laughs> I get it. But, I mean, can you that's imagine like... trying to put a mask on a monkey? No, and also that would have looked crazy. It would have looked like nuts. Because like it would have looked like a monkey in a mask. Like you right. know, and like that's like being like, let me get this dog to do it, right? And be yeah. like, oh, it's a golden retriever, but it's wearing a mask. So you think that it's like it's somehow crazy. it's something else now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yes, they opted for puppeteering and practical effects instead, which I think that's hilarious. Was the correct choice and should have probably been the choice from the start but who's to say um yeah. and then I'll just round this out by saying that this was a smash hit really mm -hmm. performed incredibly well and unsurprisingly because of the nature of the gremlins there's a massive amount of merchandising coming out of this movie um toys lunch boxes bed sheets you know all the crap <laughs> that you can imagine um came out of this movie particularly featuring gizmo 
Um, I think, though I can't be sure because I can't totally remember, but I think you could buy a doll, like a gizmo doll. Um, I bet. Because it's like almost like a Furby. Yes. Um, and actually, wait, that's reminding me. I think Furby does did make a gizmo. Yes, you're right. They, it looks they did. like it. Like, he, um, he basically looks like a Furby. Yeah. Um, and then even more kind of surprising is because this was such a hit, um, this supposedly served as inspiration for the, the Ghoulies movie, the Troll movie, the Hobgoblins movie, and the Munchies movies. So there's like all well, the Munchies, these... I tried... I tried to make you watch Munchies at one point. Did you really? Uh, yeah, for one of our Halloween ones, I feel like I saw like Munchies somewhere, and I was like, "We should watch that." And then you were like, uh, "No thanks." I forget what the or we, I forget what the why they know why we didn't. <laughs> but I feel like I tried to. Oh, I, I do. I do because rec- I just looked it up and I recognize this poster that from well, looking it up. They also did. It, I think. I think they also did it recently on How Did This Get Made. <laughs> Or they oh, were going to. Because, yeah, I, it's a comedy horror film. Yeah. Um, oh, an archaeologist finds a strange creature in Peru. Okay. Got it. Great. I mean, maybe someday. <laughs> maybe someday <laughs> I'll be able to wrap my head around that, but not today. Um, okay. So that's kind of the world that, uh, I guess in a sense, that the Gremlins movie creates um, and is built around. In terms of the cast of this movie, kind of interesting. Um, It's a very 80s cast um, with a lot of interesting people in it um, who would go on to be in other things and become more recognizable later. Um, for the most mm-hmm. part, though some people were already quite recognizable as of this movie's release. Um, but there are really, for all that there's like quite a lot of going on in this movie, there's really, to my mind, only three characters that matter. And, prim- and within those three, mainly just two. Um, mm-hmm. Billy and Kate, are, or Katie, I guess as she's often t- called in the movie, are the primary Characters, um, Billy is played by a 20-year-old Zach Galligan, um, who's first, who was a, who basically was an unknown um, when this mm. movie came out because his very first credit was in an ABC after-school special in 1982. Um, remember those? Yep. I mean, I don't know if I ever actually genuinely Not watched really. an after-school special, but I remember <laughs> the concept the of, of the after-school yeah. special. Um, and this is only his third credit. So he's in an after school special and then I think he's in like one other like episode of something and then this. Um, and then since then he's still been working all this time. Um, from what I gather, he seems to have a lot of like relatively smallish parts in horror movies and then like kind of an episode here or there of a lot of different TV shows. Um, But, you know, working actor, uh, the kind of, I think the kind of person that we often talk about is like, this would probably be a pretty nice life because you could like, you could say like, I've been in gremlins. Like if you have one, I feel like that is actually like the perfect like life, especially as like, if you have one kind of big successful thing when you're young and then can kind of do like 
small bits throughout the rest of your life, you're not, you can still live that normal life, like you said, but also be like, hey, look at me when I was younger. I was and you're that. still, you're still probably making at least some money off that first thing. Even if you didn't have the best contract, you're probably able to get some monies off of that still. Um, I would hope for their because, sake. Because there's also a Gremlins 2 that comes out in yeah, 1990. Yeah, he's in that, right? And he's in that. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think there was even, when I was, this is now, I think there's talk of a reboot of some capacity. Mm. Um, and presumably he will be in that as well. Oh, interesting. Um, but yeah, so he's got four upcoming things, I guess, pending strike stuff so mm-hmm. you know he's got like a working actor's life that's probably pretty decent um because yeah he can also like just go to the grocery store and no one's <laughs> gonna care <laughs> like, yeah that is um, key. yeah but he can still probably also pay for his kids to go to a very fancy school you know like um two very important things in life right right the whole circle of life is about, can I go to the grocery store <laughs> and look like shit in this, these sweatpants I've worn for the past three days? <laughs> like, that's important. And then also, is. can I, like, send my kids to a pretty good school? Like, that's, I, what more can in I, life? Can I, like, pay my bills? A, yeah, what more in life would a person really need? I mean, not um, much. Then we have Katie played by a 21-year-old Phoebe Cates. Um, who I couldn't remember. I don't think we've talked about her in the context of this podcast before. Um, she actually came from a New York City theater family. Uh, but as you'll see here in the outline, I said, but not actors. Um, so like her, I can't remember, like her father and grandfather and maybe her uncle are all like producers, writers, you Mm -hmm. know, like that side of it kind of more. She's so cute in this movie. Um, she's super cute in this. She's in this, like, hot off the tracks of Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which was in 82. Um, mm. And that was, like, her big breakout role. Um, she started modeling at the age of 14, um, which, you know, I know a lot of people seem to do that. It's a thing. And maybe it's especially easy in New York in the 70s, I guess. Um and in fact, in I the don't know co- if modeling was ever easy per se, but no, I mean, I think it's easy to get into. I don't think it's like easy to do, um, and easy to get into. I even mean just like if you're a young woman living in New York City in the 1970s and you're quite pretty, somehow it just seems like modeling falls into your life somehow. I, like that's always I don't know. I mean, I feel like that's the story we hear, right? Like, and that is what makes it annoying. I'm not sure if everyone <laughs> would say that's true. But, yeah, I, I, it feels like that's the story. I mean, it's not what I'm not. I'm not suggesting that, like, there aren't people out in the world who, like, were like, I want to be a model, so I'm going to do the things. You know, like, I know it's a job like any other in that you have to, like, put yourself in the right place, get you know, like, especially that, and that's kind of what I mean, though, is, like, if you want to be a model and you live in, like, Waterloo, Iowa, um, you're gonna (laughs) have to, you're gonna have to do something 
yeah. to, to get there, right? Like it does, like it's not just your looks alone. Um, but I do like, yeah, my impression is, is if you're like a really attractive young person and you already live in New York city, then that part is done. And then you're like, okay, modeling. Yes. Is. No, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's for sure true. And in her case, which sounds even more kind of wild, is like she decides to get into acting after she meets her agent at Studio 54. And I don't know precisely how old she is when this is happening, but she's definitely like at most 18 years old. What a a life. What a life some people have. And And what a like time in the world certain times were you know, I know like, uh, how many years was studio 54 open I don't even know but like just anybody that can even have a story about studio 54 I feel like is like that's a, a niche <laughs> Not, it's a very specific know. kind of like time and place yeah for sure I actually, I, I am going to look that up. Um, How long it was open? Not yeah. long, as far as the my understanding. I, I mean, it's still technically open as a theater, but that is very different. Yeah, because this one is telling me that its years active are 98 to the present. And I'm like, well, what about the 70s? Oh, no. Like, oh, no. That's that can't be theater. right. That that must be meaning like the theater version of how it exists now. Um, yeah. No, the 70s is what we're talking about, dum-dums on the internet. <laughs> ah, here we go, nightclub era. Um, yeah. Okay, so it looks like, yeah, it looks like it opened in 76-ish. Okay. Um, 76, 77 um, and then, then there's like just a lot of stuff about just what it was like to be in the club, um, <laughs> which I will, how do they, how do they, how do they manifest just being like completely high <clears throat> and like not I will, what's happening? I will read that part more carefully later. <laughs> um, so it looks like, basically it looks like they got into financial trouble very quickly, unsurprisingly. Yeah. Um, and then a different entity takes it over, um, files for bankruptcy in 85. So it was barely open. Closed in 86. It was like not even 10 years. Less than 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I mean, that's a, actually a little bit longer than I like pictured in my mind. I thought it was like almost maybe even like two or three years but still it is that's a very much a time and a place <laughs> for sure for sure um so she makes her break into acting I I'm just gonna say quite smoothly um yeah and then is in this and in, and a number of other things like she you know her face was designed for the camera it seems yes. um and at some point, I don't quite know the whole, like, I've never really heard anything about this, but, like, she basically decides she's done acting around 1994. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's because 
she wasn't getting roles she didn't like that she wanted or if it was because she was just like I'm I actually don't really Going like this it. um or if she wanted to focus on raising her family because she's also married to Kevin Klein um right and that happened sometime in this acting career um and they remain married so they've been married quite a while at this point that's cute yeah, um, so I don't really know, uh, but she she has made only some very infrequent reappearances. Like, I think, hmm. if I remember her, like, credit list, like, after 94, she might have two additional That's credits. very interesting. Yeah, um, so, you know, uh, maybe it's a, an experience of, like, burning quite bright and then being like, nah you know, not for me. It's a lot. Um, I mean, it's, I have no concept of what it would really be like. To me, it all seems fun and glamorous and all all positive, but I I know that that's (laughs) probably not true. So maybe not everyone's experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then finally, uh, the last character is Randall Peltzer, who is Billy's dad played by a 46-year-old Hoyt Axton, um, who, from what I gathered, is more, at the time and since, is more known as a musician. Um, you didn't put his best role on here, though. What Did is it? Did you not recognize him? I recognized his else? voice immediately, but I couldn't yep. quite figure out from where. Okay, well, he plays um, the sheriff slash narrator in an episode of Fairy Tale Theater, it's the Three Bears one. Oh, okay, okay, that makes sense. So, to so me. and and he's yeah, and he's like the narrator in that, and he's got that same kind of lilting. Uh, I don't know what you would call like his his. It's the same exact voice. Yeah, it was um, a, it was a voice that as soon as I heard it, I was like, "This is my childhood," but I couldn't yeah. figure out. I was like. Was he, like, because I remember how in the olden days, sometimes they would have a record that went along with a kid's story, and you maybe would, Uh, like, read the picture book, like, along with listening to the, like, recording, right? And mm-hmm. so I was like, is it that? Is that, that why he was something like that? Recognize no, that? I'm voice? pretty sure it's I like, mean, I know that that's, that was him, but I'm pretty sure that's what you would have recognized. Yeah, that too. makes sense. Um, so yeah, he's he, I it made sense to me as well that cuz he's a country musician specifically. And I was like, mm. "Oh, totally. He's got that voice." Um, but in addition to all that, he also has had a pretty good TV career kind of regularly on various things since the 60s. Um, Yeah. So he's out there. Um, And that's all we really need to know. But we will see, over the course of this movie, appearances by an extremely young Corey Feldman, um, Key (laughs) Luke, Polly Holiday, Judge Reinhold, Francis Lee McCain, um, that's Billy's mom, uh, Glenn Turman, and Gizmo is voiced... By Howie Mandel. Okay. What the hell is that? <laughs> like, Howie Mandel, Howie Mandel? Correct. That That's guy. Weird. Known and professionally as Howie Mandel. Well, also, what does Gizmo say? Well, he makes a lot of noises, but there are occasionally, like, actual words that he'll say. Oh, really? 
Yeah, I didn't really pay attention enough to pick up on it, but apparently what became clear when I was doing my research on this movie is that some people really fucking loved this movie um, (laughs) and continue to love it. And so if you watched it like 10 million times, um, you would eventually presumably start paying attention and Gizmo says like little words and phrases alongside the little like sounds you know like, yeah I mean and, I feel like you can kind of hear it sometimes like little like random words like here and yeah. there but yeah so that all of that though was done by Howie Mandel with the exception of like when Giz- when Gizmo is singing along with Billy's Casio <laughs> that's a different oh person God. that's so random I know I know it is very <laughs> weird yeah, that is bizarre. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to see if anyone else... Um, voices. Oh, yeah. I don't recognize any of these other people. Because, like, Stripe, a different... Frank Welker voices Stripe. But I'm not really... That doesn't mean anything to me. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much all we need to know about... Wow. anybody showing up here um that, is, that howie mandel thing is like kind of blowing my mind it's it is very weird it is genuine and, <laughs> and i'm like i have questions about like how like why i was like was he just like getting into voice work i don't know like yeah it's like this, the start of his career i mean but also just like the can you imagine <laughs> like can you imagine like going um like, can you, I God, I can't, I'm like trying to picture, can you imagine like going into a studio being like, I'm a, an adult with a big person job and um, you go into the studio and you're like, <laughs> and like, that's your job for the day. Like, it's so strange. I know, but like, honestly, that is, that is someone's adult grown up job. It, like a voice actor is like, I mean, fucking... Now I forget her name, but the lady who does the voice of Bart Simpson, Nancy Cartwright. Well, you know, well, no, like but even I well, I know, but even that, like that's like full on you're saying words. Like sure. And yeah. And it's I think it's more specifically like this <laughs> the fact that he like barely says real words that is like tripping me up a little bit. Like no, going in and like doing a silly voice and like all, I mean, yes, I I recognize and understand that that's like a, an adult person job and I think it's cool. But this particular this particular voice is I know. It is like um yeah, I, I like how would I say like say you get a job and you're a voice actor and you're like super excited and they're like, okay, so your whole thing is that your job for this commercial is you need to make the sound a cotton ball would make. And you're like, okay, 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 the sound a cotton ball would make. Um, <laughs> right, be like... Is that the sound a cotton ball would make? I don't know. I'm just like coming up with ideas. Would a cotton ball be like, "Hey, Mister"? Uh, oh, don't I, you see, want I see. I see. I see. Don't you want me Ew. all over your face? Ew. Like, Ew. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. 
I mean, that's the difficulty of a voice actor. You would probably have to come up with like eight or nine options of what you think a cotton ball sounds like. And then they would either like one of those options and say, do more with that. Or they'd be like, we don't like any of your options. Get the fuck out. Like, (laughs) Oh, gosh, I can't imagine that. That is weird. Yeah, so I don't know why they tapped Howie Mandel for this role. Uh, And there's nothing Howie Mandelish about, you know, like I'm like, it's not as though I could immediately tell it was him doing it, which, you know, why would you? But still, um, yeah, very weird as a choice. I'll say that. Um, We drop into the film with yet another, again, noticeable, recognizable voice, the voice of Randall Peltzer explaining that he has ended up in Chinatown, the Chinatown of what city we do not know. Um, Yeah. And he's saying how he's kind of on the lookout for a Christmas present for his kid. Um, Now, when he says Christmas present for my kid, I'm like, his kid is six, but no. Right. Billy is 20 years old. And I'm like, good lord. Uh, I mean, he still lives at home, but. Yeah. Like, and I guess this is a good question to ask. Like, the actor who plays Billy is 20. Do we know how old Billy is? Is it clear? Uh, no, it's not. Uh, not to me. I guess because, I sort of thought he was still in high school. Question but he mark, works but... at the bank. That's true. And he goes to the bar. And he doesn't go to school. Yeah, you're right. So. Well, the 80s was weird. The bar thing. I know. (laughs) Well, it is true. It's possible that, because that was the era where they had dropped the drinking age to 18. Oh, really? Yeah. They did that during the Vietnam War because people were like, if you can send us off to die, you can at least let us drink. And they were like, yeah, I guess that's probably a good call. But. So, so I think he could be 18. I think he could be believably 18, like just graduated from high school, um, you know, not really out in the world yet. This He's like got this job, but he wasn't ready. He didn't go to college. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, because it doesn't have the vibe of like I'm working at the bank during my like mid-year break from college. Like it doesn't have that yeah. vibe. No, because, like, that bitch comes in and yells at him like she sees him every day. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about her. But so, yeah, to me, like, when he says, I'm looking for a present for my child, I'm like, so you're, it's a child who you're looking for. But it's like, oh, no, we learn later. Billy is a young adult. Um, So Peltzer, we're first, like, introduced to Peltzer by coming down the stairs into this um, magical, mystical-type shop um, in Chinatown, um, where Peltzer, we learn, is an inventor, and he's trying to sell the character just called Grandfather. Um, he's <laughs> trying to sell him something called the Bathroom Buddy. God. And do you want to, like, try and explain what this product <sighs> appears to be? Well, it's like, the part that I remember about it is it's got, like, shaving cream that, like, spurts out of it. Correct. Right? Yes. yes. But it's, like, but it's in the shape of, like, hmm, 
the only thing I can liken it to sort of is a little bit like a Swiss army knife. Yes. Not like that shape. But it's something where it like, it folds down and there's a bunch of crap on the inside. Yeah. Um... And it was like as if those things would come out, like your toothbrush. I don't even remember if they show all that. The 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 shaving cream is all I'm remembering at the moment. Yeah. But it's like it's something you don't need. <laughs> Correct. It's kind of like how I would characterize it. Correct. But it's like well, got a shaving cream in it and toothbrush, toothpaste, I guess. Yeah, because like the thing about the bathroom buddy in particular, and we we get exposed to more of Randall Peltzer's in, inventions as the movie goes on. But the bathroom buddy in particular, I forget precisely how he describes it, but he is like, you literally won't need to pack a bag ever again. And I'm like, but is like, that all you pack in your bag is like yeah, cream? like your bathroom products is all you pack, and like besides, and also your bath, and also your bathroom products are like that cumbersome. Like your toiletries are like literally. I don't know about anybody else, but it's usually the last thing I pack, and it's not a whole big deal. Well, and especially, he's like, yeah, you can just throw this in your pocket, and you're good to go. And I was like, you're going to throw that lunking, hunking thing into your pocket? No way. That thing looks like it weighs four pounds. Like, um, Well, dudes also have, like, different pockets set up. Like, and if you're still, wearing, like, cargo pants, maybe. Still, this is, like, not a pickup, <laughs> get-up-and-go kind of implement at all I mean I agree um but yes it's got like all the it, it does because I think later he has a toothbrush part where the toothpaste spills out onto him here's um, the deal okay we'll talk about his other stuff later I guess yeah his inventions like, are not good his inventions are not good and well his, as, his, and his, I guess I'll say like in a general sense his inventions don't solve for anything that's actually a current problem Well, yes, that's what I was going to say is like, I don't want to be like our own mother who I have heard through her very lips say, I don't see why there need to be more inventions. She thinks we've invented enough. (laughs) Um, So there's that on record. I heard that years ago. I was there. Um, So I'm not quite that. that, She said that, but she said that before cell phones came out and then she was like, okay. (laughs) Um, Um, So I'm not quite that bad, but I am like. (laughs) <laughs> not every like s- some inventions don't need to exist and this is one oh, of absolutely. them for sure well again again it's like what are we solving for what is the problem that we think we're solving for and is it an actual problem or and is this actually making it better or like I think we need to ask ourselves some of those questions when we're sure <laughs> I'm like yes is it sometimes a little bit irritating that you like need to throw these various kind of accoutrements all into a thing. But I'm like, the I mean, such as it is, the solution is a bag. It's not better. Like, yeah. you just throw it into a bag, and sure, it's not ideal. But, like... Unless uh, the invention is... Unless the invention is you can make a toothbrush appear out of thin air and brush my teeth for me, it's like, what do you... Who cares? Like the thing that you you, do that, I would be impressed. Yeah, the thing that you would really need is like an item where like there's just one handle that you hold, and then you can like press. um, It does everything. A button, and then like a holographic version of a toothbrush pops out the top, and then you press (laughs) it again, and then it's like now it's a razor. Pop it out, you know? Yeah. 
that would be a solution to something. But this is not that. No. So, um, as he's attempting unsuccessfully to sell his bathroom buddy, he hears a sound coming out of a box, and we get introduced to the Mogwai. Um, Now, I did look this up because it has the sound of a thing that is, like, real. real In the sense that I was like, oh, is this, like, a mythical creature from mm, yeah. an, an Asian culture or whatever. Um, and it kind of is. Um, but it's not the Mogwai as appears in... Hold on. I want to just say this correctly. Um, yeah, here it is. So the Mogwai is a mythical creature coming out of Chinese uh, mythology um, but it's primarily a demon, so it's like, it isn't, and the demon that it is, is not entirely commensurate to the concept of gremlins that I described as, like, coming out of, like, doing weird air flight things. Um, so, I, you know, it's fine, but it's, there's no real connection to, like, a quote-unquote real thing okay uh but but it's like vaguely uh, inspired i guess by that concept um so peltzer wants to get this animal for his child's christmas present uh the grandfather won't sell it to him um because basically he's kind of like you just won't you're not reliable um yeah the grandchild however secretly sells the Mogwai out in the alleyway to Peltzer because the family needs the money. Um, Mm -hmm. In this case, what Peltzer offers is $200, which I worked out is approximately about $600 now. Um, A pretty nice gift. It's a very nice gift. But I guess I'm thinking, like, this kid knows about the Mogwai and it's, like, seriousness as a pet and six hundred dollars is a lot of money, but I'm like, because the, ki- the kid is like, we really maybe- need money, and I'm like, six hundred dollars is like not that. I mean, I don't know, like. Well, it's definitely it's not enough. Like, if we really need money for rent, for we really need money for food, six hundred dollars is not really enough, at least in, by today's standards. And I mean, six hundred dollars. Yeah, that's right. Because six hundred dollars would not even buy a family a whole month's worth of groceries at this point. No. No. It, and it definitely wouldn't pay for rent unless you no. live in Nebraska, maybe. And I'm not even maybe. sure. <laughs> I, I, no. Well, that's the thing is like $600 for a single person in the now of today could do something. Like for me... Sure. I'm like, oh, that could Listen, pay for I'm not one saying... month. That would pay for one month of groceries, like just over one month of groceries. Listen, for me. I'm not saying I would turn down $600. Like, don't get me wrong. <laughs> if someone was just giving me $600, I would for sure take it. But it's not. It's not like type of money. Yeah, I mean, I guess. I don't not know. Even close, really. Because, like, also, I'm like. You need the money, and if if it's that important, then I would expect you to look 
really destitute, which you don't. So right, and also, and also, if this kid, if this kid knows the whole buy or the whole deal with the the Mogwai, like, here's the thing about movies, <laughs> uh, like, so many movies. I feel like we've talked about this, but like, so many movies, shows, whatever don't ever need to happen if anyone ever just explained fully yeah something it wouldn't need to happen so the kid says to the guy make sure you don't give it doesn't want you don't want to have any light especially i wasn't quite sure about like no natural light or just light in general it seemed like they didn't like light of any type okay no light no water and no food after midnight okay correct but all that needed to be added to that sentence. First of all, the kid knows. I'm assuming what could happen if the if yeah. I assume up. that as well. Okay, so all that would need to be said would be no light for X Y Z reason. No water because if it gets water on it, it multiplies. Right. No food yes. after midnight because when it multiplies, they turn evil. I right. Guess, if that's like yeah. No, you like it's one thing to be like here are just some arbitrary rules. And another right. thing is to be like, the reason the rules are here is right. because of this. <laughs> like, right. Like, like, would you ever just like sell somebody a pet and be like, make sure you don't feed it grapes, whatever. I don't know. And then, but then you would like follow that up. Well, with, right. Oh, because grapes kill dogs. You right. Mean, like, or chocolate. Dog will right. die. Yes. 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 Um, no, like, especially for animal care, it's good mm-hmm. to provide these rules, but it's usually also important to say the reason why yes. this is a thing is because this breed doesn't like this or like this is a potential health complication this when cause- this happens. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and especially the thing that I don't fully understand about Peltzer is like, no light and no food after midnight is like, yeah, that, that, I get it. Like, okay. Um, the no water part, I'd be like, but how does it how live does it, then? Yeah. Like, yeah. does it get water from the food I feed it? Like, should I be giving it right. watermelon and that's like right. what it's doing? And like, and can it? And can it drink the water or it just can't get wet? Like, that is right. that's a distinction as well. Well, right, because like, at one point I was like, I can't remember when they say the rules again. I was like, is it not meant to drink anything? Like, how does it survive? Right. Like, um, right. and, and to that I say, I don't know. I mean, so the so the so the sellers should have followed up those rules with reasons, and the buyer should follow up those rules with questions. Correct. <laughs> Neither of which happens. And again, for a relatively paltry sum, even back then. Um, yeah. Like I would much more be like if Peltzer offered a thousand dollars, then you know this makes a bit more sense than what we're yeah. seeing. But then we get transported to Kingston Falls, USA. Um, Christmas, maybe please don't go, is playing as the credits really begin to roll. I immediately recognize this town, even though it's 
been changed for Christmas. It's the same set as the Back to the Future Hill Valley set. Oh, really? Yes, it is the exact same layout, um, which was filmed. Wait, but this came out before. Yeah, but only just by a year. Okay. It's the, I guess it's like the Universal Studios back lot used to be set up. Oh. Like in this way. Okay, okay. Um, and we get our good old title card telling us we're watching the movie Gremlin. Gremlins. <laughs> and we get acquainted to, with all the different, you know, wacky characters of Kingston Falls throughout the credit sequence. Um, when we finally really settle into the movie, we are at the bank um, where Billy, I'm, I guess we assume he's Peltzer's kid, but I guess we don't know that yet. No. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, 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 we don't know it actually, that he's the kid that the present has been bought for. Um, he does have his dog Barney with him, who he can take to work, which is quite progressive for 1984 yeah um although it does seem like that's he's pretty progressive hiding. like for now i know it does seem like he's hiding the dog as well um very weird for working in like a bank that is definitely like it's not like <laughs> it's yeah it's an unusual like, set of circumstances whatever is yeah. happening um kate works there as well um, and they both, maybe they both work as bank tellers. I guess that's kind of the vibe I've gotten yeah. there. Yeah. Um, and then of course we see Mrs. Deagle, the wicked witch of Kingston <laughs> Falls. She's, she, it may as well be the theme from Wizard of Oz where it's like, dun 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 And this and actress is like, plays this type of lady a lot, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, so that's Polly Holiday who plays okay, Mrs. Okay. Deagle. And she has this head of a snowman that she's very angrily carrying into the bank. And she says that... Oh, my God. You know who... Oh, wait. Sorry. I just realized, like, I just looked her up again to look at her face. You know who she plays? She plays um, the bad guy in... Well, bad guy, I guess, is relative. But she plays the nosy neighbor in... This is Doubtfire, who gets them in trouble. She's the, the neighbor who rats them out about the birthday party in like the first scene oh intriguing okay because i can't so she's got that like busy body energy (laughs) interesting okay no i believe that because i i'm not picturing that lady but you watch mrs doubtfire way more than me so like that checks out yeah and plus Um, she's much older in it than yes yeah 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 so she is upset because she's carrying this snowman's head and saying that the dog barney um, ruined slash broke her quote imported Bavarian snowman, um, <laughs> which based on this, on the size of the head, I'm like, so you Huge. had an entirely made of glass or ceramic snowman that was the size of a normal snowman. Just that outside I of your house? Guess you put in your lawn. Yeah, because then I'm like, and what you're, and later we see that she's got like one of those like chairs that takes her up the stairs, so she's presumably rather fragile. So I'm like, how did you get that thing (laughs) into your lawn? Like that would be so heavy. Um, I mean, I suppose we could imagine she had like worker people do it. Sure, sure. 
But why would you? But it's also like you're a dumb bitch because like why would you put a big glass snowman out on your front lawn? That is of course gonna get broken. Yes, it, it something or someone will break that item. Yeah. Uh, or the wind. <laughs> like I mean, any that's why of I said break it. I know that's why I said something. A tree could fall on it. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Stupid. even, so this in and of itself, weird, nuts, whatever. Um, but Mrs. Deagle is basically like a cardboard cutout villain. She is mean to everyone. She seems to be the richest lady in town. She tells graphically in detail how to Billy, how she knows this is his dog that has done it, and how she can't wait to slowly murder the dog. She's unhinged. And specifically, she says in this scene, and this is only one of two scenes where she talks about how she wants to torture the dog to death slowly. And I will add that. She always says slowly. Um, it's fucked up. It's so fucked but up. In, in this one, she says that what she wants to do is kill it by putting it in her dryer. That's like serial killer shit. Like that is so cruel. And also, like not only is it disgusting and disturbing and cruel, it it, it evoked for me an image that I also had from childhood where I don't know if someone told me a scary story or if this was an urban legend. There's an urban legend. There's an about urban a kid about climbing a into a dryer. Oh, oh, I was thinking there's one there's an urban legend about a dog in a microwave. Well, this also maybe thinking of. Yeah, well, this movie also plays on that as well. Um, But I definitely have some. It. it, I was like, oh yeah, remember when I was afraid of like somehow getting stuck in the dryer and then being. I think that is a thing that has and horribly has happened. I don't. I wouldn't be surprised. It like. Well, and dryers have caused a lot of problems. Dryers have like caught on fire, and you know, like dryers are kind of dangerous. In a, yeah. in a way. Yeah. Um, and definitely to kids. If you can fit in one and somehow... Of course. It on, yeah. Yeah. That's bad. Yeah. Because <laughs> kids like to crawl in things, you know. Sure. And it and you can you might even, if you have the ones where you can see the stuff, like, spinning, like, that, mm-hmm. that's intriguing to a child. Correct. So she talks about throwing this dog in the dryer and killing it. Um, which, of course, then Barney jumps up from out under the desk and attacks her... The whole place, yes, um, the whole place goes into an uproar. And this is also what is interesting about 1984 versus where we are now. Because she does, I do think he like bites her or something. Because then she acts like she's been very desperately hurt. Um, (laughs) But like, I'm like, you know, unfortunately, in this day and age... If such an event were to happen, I think it's highly likely that the dog ends up being, you know, put down by the town, basically. Yeah. Unless, like, I'm I'm sure it's not a 100% thing, but I I do feel like that has become often a place where, like, if a dog bites somebody, particularly if they bite someone, they often end up, like, being... I I do think that... Yes, I do think that it might have to, like, I think, I hope, anyway, I don't know how this works, but, like, let's say I got bitten by a dog, 
I would think that I would have to be the one to want to press some type of charges or say this dog needs to be mm. put down. Like, mm. you know, if the attacky is like, no, I don't want that to happen. Yeah, maybe that's maybe right. Not. Yeah, I guess I it know. probably depends on various factors. But I was like, this is very... Because like, this lady was like fully asking for it. And she was saying yes. she was going to kill the dog. What do you want the dog right. to do? It was trying to right. defend itself. Right. Um, so that's a tough work day. So Billy stops by the bar. <laughs> Billy stops by the bar on his way home. Um, and this is where we get the Judge Reinhold cameo where he's basically oh being an 80s douchebag. Um, <laughs> in a really, I will say, I do like Judge Reinhold a lot. And I do like the way he does this character where he's like, basically. He's good at that like douchebaggery. Like- yeah. Because he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be a millionaire by the time I'm 30. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ. First like, of all, when he said that, I was like, this movie's old. Like, I know. I, I know. <laughs> I was like, by the time you're, what are you, 20? Like, what's happening? Um, and, and, also that's, and also, like, it's like, oh, and that's when a million dollars really meant something. <laughs> that's that, the other too. Thing. Oh, I was thinking about the 30 thing, but, yeah, you're right. And then, also, it made me think, he's in some, I, one of the Christmas movie that I love is the Santa Claus and he is in that as well. <laughs> is he really? Yeah, he plays Weird. the um he plays Tim Allen's wife's new boyfriend. Oh, interesting cuz I also like him because he's nice in the Beverly Hills Cop movies. He's nice oh, in okay. those. Um uh, he's a little smarmy in the Santa Claus movies, but Yeah. I mean yeah, but this is this type of. Smart. This is like honestly, we only see him in this scene essentially, <laughs> and then we move on with our lives. Um, Billy comes home, and this is when we learn that he is in fact the son of the guy we saw in the opening, and that um, the Peltzer family is now. I think that Billy and his mom are effectively held hostage by Randall Peltzer because, like, his inventions are all over the house and they all feel obliged to use them even when they are terrible and don't work anymore. And yeah, they can't have orange juice, they can't have coffee, like, nothing, everything yeah. sludge or slime. <laughs> like, yeah, nothing ever works. And then as well, in my handwritten notes, I was like, how do they keep that house? Because this guy doesn't make any money. That's a great point. And, also, and it's a really nice house. It's, like, big and nice. Yeah, it's, I, yeah. And also, how do they keep cleaning all this shit up all the time? Like... Well, now, when the, he that tries... That orange juice scene... I know. ...is so gross. <laughs> it's so gross, but also what's weird is, like, Billy only puts one orange... I into know ...into the and machine. It, I know, and it creates so much orange sludge that it's, like... Yes. that. There's no possible way one orange could even create that much goo. No. Um, yeah. I know yeah. that, too. But Peltzer then comes home to present Billy with this Mogwai gift. And he tells Billy the three rules. Now, I will say it was genuinely quite cute because little Gizmo's hands come up out of the box first and then his little head pops out and you're like... Okay, okay. Okay, here's my question. 
what would you do if someone gave you this as a present? Oh, boy. And then I have a follow-up question. Now, yeah, okay. I guess, I guess, like, would, would you be happy about a present like this? Like... I would say, in general, I think animal as pet is a bad move. Animal or, as sorry, present? A- animal as present, yes, yeah. is a bad move. Okay. Um, okay, my follow-up question might be um, null and void then. <laughs> if I did receive an animal as a gift, yeah, I guess it would depend on the animal so like yeah like let's think okay okay so so my follow-up question was sort of gonna be because this is like a a trope in movies and whatever you open a box on christmas the big bow you open it right it's a little puppy correct yes like in lady and the tramp exactly yay or nay well god i mean it's really hard when it's a cute puppy I know that's the problem well that's why and that's why okay here's the thing everybody here's the education people do this people give Christmas puppies and people give Christmas Christmas kittens kittens yeah and all of that and a lot of them end up in shelters so be very careful who you give that to and be sure that's actually what they want and can take on in that moment in their life I think that's the biggest thing like do do I want that do I want a puppy out of a box at Christmas sometimes that's always been a dream of mine Mm. if it happened and someone gave it to me this Christmas I'd be like uh oh yikes I don't know if I can like handle this right now but at some Christmas in my lifetime I like to believe that I'd be like yes of course great give me Sure. You know, so yeah, it's a it's it's a slippery slope. You gotta be careful. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess. Yeah, I this goes over very well. Billy seems really to be stoked about Gizmo, which is good. Um, But yeah, for me, pet as present um, is is not is not an ideal choice for any. I just. You yeah, as you said, you need to be really have done some background work like really on the person. Close with them. Yeah. yeah. Um, unless it's something like somebody lives on a farm and it's like, yeah, this can just be one of the many barn cats <laughs> that I yeah, sure. like throw it out there. I don't give a shit. You know, throw but like, it out there. Yeah. Um, or obviously if it's like a partner and like maybe you're giving it to them, but you know that you will be able to help with like, right, right. care or something like it's that. It's like, because really know. this is like a family gift, you know, like ultimately. Right. Um, right. And that's fine. And that's nice. And like, you know, yes, I agree with you that the fantasy of opening a box and then just being like, like oh you know God. like of course that is a lovely little fantasy but would I like to actually find myself in that fantasy I think I wouldn't is like the truth of it well it's just because like the, the fantasy is that moment the reality is the rest of the next however long the lives. right you like know, I so would much rather like to me a better take on that like a riff on that would be like you already have a pet and then somebody like puts like 
a tiny present on their collar or something and then has you like delivers the present to you right like that's cute like I, yeah, I prefer that fantasy because it's like then the pet already exists you've already committed sure, like to if that the pet, like like the, the pet has like the engagement ring around the right. neck or something right or yeah, just like anything cute. I mean it's anything, like cheesy but it's cute yeah anything that is small enough for a pet's collar to carry over to you <laughs> <laughs> that is cute that, that is, cute. is fine I like that you know um but so the family happily takes Gizmo, um, and when Pete, Pete is Corey Feldman, comes to drop off their Christmas tree, he's hanging out, Billy's showing him Gizmo, and unfortunately, they knock over some water on Billy's desk, and Gizmo gets wet, and then what happens? Then it's like kind of grody a little bit how it's yes. like it, a, a little I can't remember if it's like his back he makes funny noises and mm-hmm. Howie Mandel has to start making funny noises yeah and um, <laughs> I don't know if it like grow, it almost like grows out of its back out of his back and then yes. there's like this funny funny little like fur ball on the table and they're like what is that and then all of a sudden it's multiplied. Yeah, like weird little hairball things pop off Gizmo's back and then they grow into other Gizmos, basically. Um, And what's interesting about this is like after they're all born, or I don't know if born is the right word, but whatever, um, (laughs) Gizmo looks actively sad, like he knows this is a problem. Um, But it doesn't... It's like, I don't think he necessarily knows they're going to be bad eggs like they turn out to be. But mm-hmm. um, I guess maybe I'd interpret it as it's like Gizmo is like, oh, one of the rules has been broken. This isn't a good thing. Yeah. You know. Um, mm-hmm. Peltzer, of course, is super excited because he's like, this will now this will be the business that I actually get off the ground. We'll sell all these uh, Mogwai as pets, um, which only will go worse from here. Um, Barney, the dog, ends up getting tied up in Christmas lights later that night, um, and they all assume that Mrs. Deagle is the one who's done it, but I think actually it's the gremlins. Like, I think that we're supposed yeah, to totally. know that it's them, and they're already bad. Yeah. Um, so Pelter says they're, just, they're they're starting to be like that's just like I feel like that's like low level mischief, right? Yeah, like yeah, that's right. Yeah, and so then the next day Pelter is like, well, I'm going on I'm going on a business trip on Christmas Eve day. Um, <laughs> so weird. And, but I'll bring Barney with me because you know we want to keep her keep him away from Deagle. Meanwhile, um, and this is also you'll appreciate this. There was a version of this, I don't know if it made it to film or if it was just in the script, but there was a version of this movie where the dog gets killed by the gremlins. <gasps> oh, they must have done test audiences and people were like, fuck that, don't yeah. do that. So so they've now like absconded and my, remo- If I yeah. was in a focus group, that would be my yeah. feedback. So they remove the dog from the scenario because I was like, oh shit, are they going to kill this fucking dog? Like... 
So they Whenever there's it. a dog in a movie and it's a horror movie and they do it in so many, I'm like, God damn it. Just ugh, let that dog run away or something. <laughs> like, yeah, that's right. Um, so then Billy takes Gizmo over to Mr. Hansen, who is the local science teacher, um, to show him the animal. And specifically, now that it's been like shown that you can make a new mogwai by getting um, Gizmo wet, they actually make a new one so that Hansen can study it. Um, yeah, and mis- so many mistakes. Yeah, and Mr. Hansen is is played by Glenn Turman, who he's like a really all over the place actor. You've seen him in a lot of million things. Mm. Um, and so he's like, okay, I'll keep this other mogwai here, and I'll do some experiments. Which I'm like, don't do that. Nobody wants to do that. Um, then uh, Billy stops by the bar and then walks Katie home, where she cryptically says that she doesn't like Christmas. And when Billy's like, really? Why not? She like flies into a rage um, <laughs> and is like, aren't people allowed to not like Christmas? And he's like, oh, I guess. Like, You're um, like yeah, God, crazy. Um, but somehow he manages to recover the conversation enough to ask her out, to which she says, yes. Um, <laughs> back at the school, um, Mr. Hansen takes a blood sample from his Mogwai, and the Mogwai does not like it. Um, or Mogwai, not Mogwai, Mogwai. Um, and then he's working very late. He's working past midnight, and frankly... Oh, this is no. not this is not meant to malign people working at the high school level, but I don't know when it any. Happen. Yeah, you're not staying up because it shows on the clock that it's like two in the morning. Yeah, and it's also like I think the school wouldn't even let you do it. No, do like you if you like, want to, the school would close and lock. Right, and also I think even in Lucy Goosey, nineteen eighty four. I think the school would be like, if you want to do animal experimentation, do that on your own time and sure. your own property. Like, we're not yeah, going to be party to this. Um, absolutely. So, unfortunately, it gets late. Mr. Hansen leaves a half-eaten sandwich on the counter. Um, and I did write in my handwritten notes... Is there a brain on the counter? Question mark. Answer. Oh, I yes! Don't Exclamation point. Gross. Yeah. Cause okay. Like, here's the other. Here's the other thing about high school level biology. I assume. Yes. Yeah. Now, granted, I didn't do like AP or like fast track or you know, and things maybe yeah. different in the eighties. But like the only thing we. That we even came close to like dissecting that was like an actual first of all, there was no brain like no like human no brain or no. like big no. <laughs> like forget it the only thing was perhaps and i don't even particularly remember this is like frogs yes um yes i definitely dissected a frog in high school for sure i'm not even positive that i did or if i'm just remembering it from like the billions of movies where they show that but like um you're not doing brain experiments 
Well, what I realized later, because they show it again, like in a later scene in daylight, because it's dark and there's, and I was like, why has he got a brain just sitting on the counter seemingly for no reason? And then I realized that like what I think it was, is it like was a plastic model oh, where okay, okay. That makes sense. like, but it doesn't look that way at the time. At the time, it looks like he's literally just sitting there with a brain sitting on a counter. But then <laughs> later you're like, oh, there's like actually a few of them out. And so they must have been doing something, you know, like, um. It looks like a model, right, where you would be able to, like, take it apart and then each piece would have, like, a different, like, uh, n- like name of the part of the brain that it was, right? Like, and you're like, yeah. oh, put it together and that's the thing. That's kind of what it, when I saw it again later, I was like, oh, that makes way more sense than, than just this, like, local high school teacher seemingly having endless amounts of brains that he just keeps out not in formaldehyde, not in anything, just out on a thing. Um, yeah. So things are starting to go wrong quite quickly. Um, <laughs> back at Billy's house, uh, the Mogwais are freaking out and crying for food. He checks the time. He sees that from his perspective, it is about 1130. And so he gives them some cold chicken from the fridge. Um, They eat it in a really disgusting and off-putting way. (laughs) Uh, Gizmo isn't hungry. The next day, all of the Mogwai have turned into cocoons. Um, Similar to... But like grody ones. Yes, I was going to say, similar to what we saw in Aliens... Yeah, like real grody, um, gooey cocoons. Lots of goo. There's a lot of goo in this movie as well, as we always should expect, I suppose. Um, And Billy is a bit confused at first until he realizes that the gremlins have actually frayed the cores of his clock so his clock has been broken to make it look like it's before midnight. Um, he rushes over to the school where he learns that on this very same previous evening, Mr. Hansen's Mogwai has also turned into a cocoon because it's eaten after midnight. Um, and the cocoons begin to open. At the school, the bell rings. It's the end of the day. The kids are all leaving for Christmas break because we are now on to Christmas Eve day. Um, and Mr. Hansen tries to, cause like the cocoons basically open. And so the gremlin that has popped out at the school is like running around the science lab and making like, whoever did the Foley work on this was really good cause it made like all kinds of scuttling sounds that were very unpleasant. <laughs> um, and so Mr. Hansen is trying to lure the gremlin out into the open, presumably so he can catch it again and put it into a cage, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But then he takes a candy bar and kind of puts his hand under the desk. And then what happens? He gets attacked. Yep. Uh, Mr. Hansen gets it. He dies. Um, when Billy shows up at school... 
um, to check in with him. He finds Mr. Hansen. And again, this is, I remember being scared by this whenever I first watched this as a little kid, because what we see is actually something that's not terribly concerning because like it's Glenn um, Turman's shoulders and body coming out from under a desk, but we don't see his head. Uh, oh. And, okay. and there's a syringe in his butt. And so I think as an adult, <laughs> I was like, oh, he got killed because the gremlin drugged him and that's what that syringe in his butt is all about. Right. But as a kid who was not as like good at noticing things, I think I thought that gremlin had eaten his head off. Oh, okay. That's fair. And so that's way more disturbing. Yeah, that is. That's horrifying. I had too much imagination as a child. Well, yeah. I mean, you shouldn't have been watching this. <laughs> I guess not is the, is the upshot. I guess not. Um, so back at the Peltzer home, the gremlins that have emerged from the cocoons there are now tormenting Gizmo. They're playing darts with him at the center of the board. Um, Mrs. Peltzer hears what's going on upstairs and decides she's going to take a knife up there, which is smart of her, um, because the gremlins immediately begin to attack her to the tune of the song, um, Do You Hear What I Hear? Which... (laughs) Uh, okay, okay. Here's what I'll say about, like, holiday horror movies. I do love... Yes. I mean, horror, horror movies in general kind of do this, but I do love the juxtaposition of, like, very seemingly innocent songs and tunes to a horrifying picture. Um they do it in Krampus and movies like that as well. Um, and I, I'm a fan of that trope. Me too. I do, yes. I absolutely love watching someone, like, get gutted or whatever to, <laughs> like, the dulcet tones of Nat King Cole. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, <laughs> Nat King Cole's Christmas album. I do yeah. genuinely like that. It is inherently funny in its its way yeah Yeah. um so nonetheless but things go from there to really intense because the gremlins then follow her downstairs this is when it's actually kind of a good thing that the peltzer randall peltzer makes all of these (laughs) inventions that don't work because then they can be used as implements of death um (laughs) because she kills one gremlin by throwing it in it's not the blender, but it's like a mixer that somehow has knives in it because, like, then blood is spurting up out of it. Yeah. You know? I don't know, um, what, that I don't know what that's supposed to do or be, but yeah. Yeah, because it looks like a. An, um, Maybe it's like a salad mixer or something. It's yeah, because it like looks that. like. Right? Because right, doesn't it have a bowl that the, the gremlin yeah, like goes bowl. into? Because for yeah, the longest time, so. I was like, oh, it's got to be a blender because what else is going to make all that green gooey blood spurred up but it was a bowl 
Yeah, you're so, right. So it would have to have some type of uh, cutting mechanism inside. Right. It. So Which it I, don't, be, I don't know any mixer know. that has that uh, no, attachment. It but if, no, it doesn't. But if, if we're to believe this is one of his inventions, I he, could, I, yeah, that's right. what it is. But it could be, I'm picturing, the only thing I would think you would, a bowl where you need like knives on the inside would be like a chopped salad. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, maybe it is a modification where he's like, this will make your, like do all your chopping for you or something. Something like that. Um, she then kills another gremlin by stabbing it to death quite graphically. And then, as you already alluded to, there's the one that she throws into the microwave and it explodes um, in a really, again, like I was fine watching this now, but I was like, no wonder you did not react well to this as a child. (laughs) Like this is really quite graphic. Um, Then, and I feel like this was interesting. So, and then in in the final bit of this scene, one of the gremlins, and I think it might be Stripe, who's the bad one, the bad leader. Mm-hmm. I think Stripe is the one that's hiding in the tree and attacks mm. her. And then it looks like she's being attacked by a Christmas tree, which is also very funny. <laughs> yeah. But then it reminded me, didn't we watch in a Christmas um, series past? Yes. Wasn't there one where another lady gets killed by a Christmas tree? (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, God, I'm pretty sure it was that Crazy Jack Frost movie. Yes, I I thought it was like that, because that's the word that's the crazy snowman, right? Right, it's the serial killer snowman. Who's in it's the like snowman. the DNA. That's right. Yeah, it's like yes. the DNA of the of serial course. killer in the snowman. Of course. So naturally. Maybe, so I can't remember. Like she does get killed. Like I don't know if it's literally by a Christmas tree or the Christmas tree. Like he's inside of the Christmas tree. I can't remember, but I do I can't remember right. something yeah. along those lines. All I know, or, the, or like, or he like strangles her with the lights. Yeah. I All I know was like. I've seen this scene before. (laughs) I've seen seen a scene where a Christmas tree kills someone before. What the? That really speaks to the types of movies we watch. If you're like, this is old news. Seeing someone getting killed by a Christmas tree, seen it. Boring. Come up with a new idea. (laughs) Although, in fairness, this might have been the first movie to do it. That's true. Because I'm very positive that that other one was much later. Yes, absolutely. Um, so luckily Billy manages to come in just in time to save his mom. I think again, this might be another one where in a different version she dies, like in a darker version she dies. Um, and Stripe, the leader, manages to escape through the window to wreak even more havoc because then, and this was super 80s, he runs to the YMCA. Oh, man, if they had also done, like, a killing scene to the YMCA playing in the background, that would have been hilarious, too. It would have been something. Um, (laughs) And in this case, Stripe has gone to the YMCA because that's where the local pool is, of course. And Stripe hops into the pool, and it immediately starts to bubble and smoke. And, you know, I don't... Yeah. 
I don't know precisely how many gremlins are born of this experience. Well, there's, um, in that one part where they're in the theater, there's like, how many do you think? Hundreds, like I hundreds. guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because that's the other thing is like, so as Stripe is popping off fur balls, those fur balls are getting, or maybe not fur balls because they're all covered in scales. So like scale balls. And, <laughs> and then when they hit the water, then they would be popping off more, right? Yeah, I guess. I don't know the science. No, no one can know. <laughs> no one can know. I'm pretty sure um, it's it's an exact science, but I'm just not, yeah. I just don't know it. So we do get a funny scene after this, though, that was funny to me in the sense that I was like, oh, they've made a miniature with claymation and they're to show the hundreds of gremlins walking out on the streets. Um, oh, okay. I can't remember the visual. It was a very short shot, like maybe not even 10 seconds, but it was like, it was very clearly like we've made a miniature to <laughs> demonstrate like the outcome of this. Um, then of course the gremlins start attacking the whole town. When Billy tries to explain what's happening to the police, they do not believe him. Um, because... Damn, police never believe anybody. I mean, they definitely don't. That's a perennial problem. <laughs> but, I mean, honestly, man, like, the more true crime and the more movies I watch and, like, whatever, I'm like, I'm, I know neither of those things is really, like, illustrative of reality as it is. Well, true but, crime is true. To, to Yes, but it's, like, made to be entertaining. Like... But I will say, I do have the impression that primarily what cops want to very much not do is their job. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say the thing they very much want to do is nothing. Um, Yes. Correct. Yeah, no, they don't, well, they don't want to be, the thing is, (laughs) they're sort of like other government workers, right? Where, like, I think we make fun of people who work in government jobs sometimes maybe you know at like yeah. at the at the register at the DMV at the Correct. Those types of jobs yes. where people yes. are like couldn't be bothered just want to get through the damn day right um, i think cops are the same yeah they come for me yeah <laughs> yeah i don't i, think I mean it's the same type of thing it's yeah it's a tricky one cuz you're like it's a job. I'm not saying I agree with that, but right. I just I think that is sort of the vibe of it. Is like I I will do the very least to right. get the job done today. <laughs> like, right. Which listen, man, I respect and I do quiet get that. quitting. I, I respect quiet I, quitting for sure. Hey, hey, me too. However, my job, if I were to say, eh, I'm not going to answer that email. Eh, I'm not going to whatever the whatever that I do. Yeah. Nobody's dying. Correct. Nobody yes. is even coming yes. close to dying, let's You're say. You're not doing like, something in the interest of public safety. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, if I don't believe somebody when they send me an email, worst thing that happens, 
you know, a group fitness class doesn't happen. I don't know. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. It's not, it's nothing is, it's really not that, there's not many consequences that, Correct. that are fatal. But in a police <laughs> job, uh, like, yes, you don't listen to someone, people can die. Yes, there can like, be very real serious consequences. <laughs> yeah. To, yeah. act, to both actions and inactions in that Correct. line of work. Um, right. Now, it just so happens to carry along this theme, as the gremlins are overtaking Kingston Falls, they get into Mrs. Deagle's house. She gets thrown out of the window because she's okay, in... Okay, 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 okay. Sorry, I got to talk about that real quick because she's in one of those... I also feel like maybe we've talked about this before, but she's in one of those um, chairs that goes up the stairs and Correct. back down. Yes. And um, it goes incredibly fast and like shoots yes. her out the window. Yes. And I loved, I loved that because... As did those I. Those things do not go fast like that. And no. if they did, they would be fun. Um. So that part really made me laugh. No, I mean, there was quite a bit about that scene that was fun and funny. So, like, for example, um, I wrote in my handwritten notes, she's a cat lady, of course. So that also helps us (laughs) to understand why she hates Barney so much, right? Like, she's this sadistic... Yeah, although I will say, in defense of cat people, there are some cat people that are also dog people. And yes. And you can be both. Yes. I know that, that there's a there's a long-standing, I'm a staunchly cat, staunchly dog. Right. Whoever. Yes. Yes. And there For are sure. those who can open their minds to both. And open their hearts and be like, yes, Correct. I like both of these items. And you can see the differences. Of course there are differences. Are cats assholes? Yeah, they are. But you know what? They're also fucking cute. So it's like, what do you do? Yeah. Um, so anyway, but it is funny that cat people are characterized as like evil. <laughs> well, and in this lady's case, I'm like, yeah, that checks out. Um, yeah, totally. And she's got like quite a lot of them, you know, all the traditional yeah. tropes. But yeah, she's on yeah. her little like escalator chair thing. And the gremlins <laughs> have done what gremlins do, which is mess with mechanics and yeah. so she speeds out of the window that's like <laughs> the picture, not the picture window, but yeah, I guess it is kind of a picture window, like up at the top of her staircase, shoots yeah. right out, falls to, and as you see here in the outline, I'm like, to her death? Unclear. I um, think so. I mean, she would have hit her head. I, I assume it's to her death, but I don't know for sure. Um, yeah. And... Then the police, this all happens in front of the very eyes of the police. They see her, a woman's body, launch out a window, smash to the ground. They also see gremlins actively attacking a man dressed in a Santa suit. Um, the whole and they're like, fuck that. They run away. They run the fuck away. Um, That's hilarious. They're like, this is beyond my pay grade. I'm out of here. Then we have a scene where Katie is stuck at the bar serving gremlins who are all acting like jerks. Um, There's quite a lot of good sight gags here. Gremlins listening to a boombox. Gremlins smoking (laughs) cigarettes. Gremlins playing poker. There's a whole bit where 
Uh, one of the gremlins is dancing like in flash dance. Um, <laughs> with like a cut up uh, sweatshirt on. Oh um, you know, so That's all good. of that quite good. No notes on that. Um, <laughs> but things are getting out of control. And so Katie ends up running out of the bar right as Billy is coming to, like, help her, to save her. I don't know what he's there for. Um, but then in this brief respite, Katie explains to Billy why she does not like Christmas. Do you remember what she says? She says, this one Christmas when I was a kid, there was all these weird little men, <laughs> these weird little <laughs> uh, creatures that came to life and started killing people. No, I can't remember. Oh, this is actually super weird. And another thing that various people tried to get them to cut from the movie, but they opted not to. Um, she tells a story which apparently is based on an urban legend that her father disappeared on Christmas Day. Like, her mom and her wake up ready to open presents. He's not there. They don't know what's gone on. There's no note. There's no explanation. Nothing. Disappear. He's Santa. Yes. And he <laughs> gets caught in the chimney. Oh, I, w- I was kind of kidding. I forgot this whole part. No, that's the whole thing. So the this is, again, this, uh, this is a riff on an urban legend that, like, okay. on Christmas Eve... Dad dresses as Santa Claus, goes down the chimney, God knows why, um, gets stuck in there, broken neck, dead, and they don't know for a couple days until he starts to stink. Disgusting. Very disturbing. I suppose it would probably sour me on Christmas a bit. I don't mean to laugh, but, like, yeah, absolutely. I'd be like, yeah, I fucking hate Christmas. That's horrifying. Yeah, so that's the story that she tells him. Um, God. Yeah, quite graphic. Uh, Again, I'll just say they wanted them to cut this from the movie, and Chris Columbus and and company said, no, it's staying in. (laughs) That's wild, because it's so unnecessary to the story in any way. All they would have to do is cut the part where she says she hates Christmas the first time, and it's, like, it's so yeah. unnecessary. It does not, and like, and both, um, so Chris Columbus wrote this, Joe Dante directed it, and both of them, like, when I was reading about this, like, strongly supported and were like, no, this is, like, part of the so artistic weird. vibe of the darkness of this movie. And I was like, this movie is already decently dark you don't need any more yeah this is a weird one it, it is apropos of it just nothing doesn't, i don't think it i don't think it adds anything yeah yeah you know, like, i think it would be better i think it would be better if she said her dad was killed by a mogwai <laughs> i think like, it doesn't need to be tied yeah in. it doesn't need to be there at all because like as we've said about a number of things at this point is like this is a movie about gremlins so that's all that needs to be there. The rest is just like, this is what this story is about. It's about gremlins. It's not about this very clearly traumatized young woman. And right. like her, like she's working for free at the bar. I'm like, there's there's a story there that is 
a deep well of sadness. But that's not <laughs> this that's not movie. Watching. Yeah. Um, maybe it explains why Phoebe Cates becomes the main character in Drop Dead Fred. It's this terrible early life Ooh. that she has. Ooh, it's all canon. That's interesting. Yeah. So they end up at the local movie theater, which is playing Snow White. And all the gremlins in town have now settled into watching Snow White. And they love it. They just love, love, love this movie. I mean, movie. I mean it, it is a good movie. I mean, it is. It is a good movie. It's a little dark, too. So It, it is also a bit dark. Um, it also reminded me, when this was playing at the movie theater, it reminded me of a story that Mom used to tell me that, like, and I assume this is true, that the very first movie she ever took me to in the theater was Snow White. And it was because... They were re-releasing a lot of the like classic Disney movies onto the big screen in the early 80s because people hadn't oh, yeah. seen them in a really long time, like in that venue and format. And so yeah. they were like, oh, let's like kind of reignite interest by showing it on big screen. So I was like, when I saw that, I was like, oh, you know, maybe that really was that was based on a real thing, which was people were what being able to watch Snow White. On I the big screen true. in the early 80s. So they were just like, here yeah, it is. Perfect. Yeah. Um, so, But the, the gremlins are all singing along. Love the whole thing. <laughs> um, Stripe gets up. Hi-ho? Yes. <laughs> so They're funny. singing along with hi-ho, hi-ho. And um, like it also had a very... I, it, I don't think the... It didn't say that the gremlins were made by Jim Henson in any capacity but the scene like the shot where it's like all of them sitting in their theater seats and they're they are doing that swaying back and forth right where like the different aisles are swaying in the opposite direction from each other oh yeah um, yeah yeah or the different rows of seats and it did remind me a lot of um the muppet show like the how it oh, looked sure. reminded me a lot of the muppet show and they're all in different costumes at this point. There's, like, skateboarding one and, like, cowboy one and, like, all these different things. And you're like, oh, man. Um, so Stripe, however, gets up to get more candy. And while he's doing that, Billy and Katie have turned on the gas in the movie theater and started a fire. So the entire movie theater explodes with all the gremlins in town, with the exception of Stripe, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, yoy. Stripe disappears into the local, I guess I'd call it a department store, because it seems to have a lot of different stuff in there. Yeah. Um, and this is where the climax of the movie happens. Um, Stripe and Billy um, are in a fight to the death, basically, <laughs> Um, where we get to watch Stripe at various points throughout this scene. Stripe is on a scooter. Stripe is on a trike. Um, Gizmo <laughs> is driving around in a Barbie convertible. Um, oh my God, I love that. All kinds of fun. Like That is a, cute. It was super I would cute. I want a little Gizmo. Okay, okay. Also, do you know what Gizmo reminded me of? I just remembered. Have you ever seen a red panda? 
Mm, not in real life, but I've seen photos of They're it. They're so cute. They're so cute. They're so effing cute. That's what he sort of reminded me of. He was like a little bit like a bear, but also like sure. A, oh man, I want a red panda. Okay, anyway, not allowed. You won't be getting one. <laughs> I want one so bad. Um, but I mean that makes sense because red pandas are from Asia, right? And that's also where like oh, mogwais yeah. are supposedly from oh, yeah. as well. So, um, but like so from a and I I know. I'm sorry to be saying this sentence, but from a puppeteering standpoint, seeing these uh, things do these activities is inherently kind of interesting and funny to see them do it. Um, Yeah. In the final kind of battle, Gizmo and Kate help Billy by turning on lights in the store and Gizmo in particular opens a skylight over the weird fountain that Stripe has thrown himself into. Um, <laughs> and I guess with the idea that he's going to make more gremlins again, I guess that's what he's planning to do. Um, and as the sunlight hits Stripe full on in the face, he starts to melt. And then we get some more green goo, some more green blood. <laughs> all the things we expect. Um, Peltzer shows up just in time. Like he's been, cause he's been on this weird business trip this whole time. So he gets, right. he gets to town right as the worst is finally basically over. But I guess the movie theater has exploded. So it's probably, he's like driven through a big fire or something. Um, and, and this is all his fault. It is all his fault. Um, And so the final scene is where the family is, like, watching the news coverage of what has happened. Of course, the news is calling it, like, a riot, you know, kind of covering up what's happened. Um, And the grandfather from this fancy Chinatown store returns and says that he's taking Gizmo back because, and this is a direct quote, you are not ready um, which seems I mean, apparent. True. Um, <laughs> and uh, the we close out the movie with Peltzer again in VO saying like if you ever I think it is it's like if anything ever starts like any of your machinery any start ever starts going wrong you can wonder if perhaps you've got a gremlin and it's like yeah no thanks. <laughs> um, and that's it. That's the film. <sighs> it's a ride. It is a ride. Um, I did have to watch it in two sittings, and I can't remember why. Um, it's not that long. It's about an hour it forty-five, so it's it's like a pretty standard timing. Yeah, I just for some reason I couldn't like. Maybe it was because I started late. Yeah, I think that's what it was. I started late, and it was like I can't. I really can't do getting through this whole thing in one sitting, so I gotta <laughs> make it two. So let's turn to yawns and eye rolls. Um, one yawn is this was super interesting. I couldn't take my eyes off it. And ten yawns is like absolutely not interesting at all. I struggled to get through this. What would you give it? Hmm. Um, yeah, I would say one. I had no problem getting through it. 
you know, I have attention issues, as we know, and like sure. maybe wasn't like intensely watching because I'd seen it before. I knew like the gist of a lot of stuff. Sure. I was able sure. to like do other things. But yeah, no, I would say one, I have no problem with it. Yeah, I would agree. Wise. Yeah, I would agree. I thought this like for the most part, like I could have done with less random scenes of gremlins doing terrible shit. Um, right, and I could have done without the story, even though I forgot it happened, but I could do without the story of the background of Phoebe Kate's dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those things could be cut, but, like, yeah, they they made quite economic use of their time, I would say. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of eye rolls, one eye roll is um, I bought into this world fully, and ten eye rolls is, like, no 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 uh this is patently ridiculous what would you give it Ooh, well (laughs) that's always tough in a movie like this like it's one where i feel like it's it's so because it's so classic like we don't really question it but i would say there's some there's maybe some things that don't add up so i might say like a three sure yeah yeah i mean I agree with you there, too. I guess I'll do a three, um, mainly because not just the Phoebe Kate's dad's story, which is like, why is this here? <laughs> but, like, there were some things where it's like, the gremlinness is enough. We don't yeah. need this other stuff. Like, yeah. Um, like, I don't know why Mrs. We've Deagle... We've already got the hook. Yeah, like, I don't know why Mrs. Deagle needed to be a super bitch unless it was to make us really love her death scene, I guess, is, like, the thing. Um, Yeah. But, like, yeah, and there was a whole other kind of character that I didn't even mention who kind of shows up repeatedly. Yeah, and I was like, I don't quite know why this is here. I do Um, feel like sometimes in movies like this where they know a bunch of people are going to die, they give us ones where it's going to be satisfying when they do. Yeah, or just they need insulation around (laughs) the protagonists because it's like if this if we're lean on cast then the question becomes why didn't billy and katie get got you know like so there has to be enough people rounding out the ensemble for (laughs) it to happen so ultimately did you like this and would you recommend it oh yeah totally i think it's it is a classic it's, um, I don't think, maybe people know that it's a Christmas movie, I guess. Like, and the idea of it being a Christmas movie or Christmas movies in general, like what makes something a Christmas movie versus a movie that happens at Christmas. Sure. If that makes sense. Yes. Um, it's, it's a fun one. Yeah, I definitely, I do. I recommend it. It's on, I watched it on Prime. I think I might have had to pay money to rent it, but. I think I did good. it as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I liked this okay. I've recovered from my traumatization of childhood. Um, okay, here's what... I won't recommend it to three-year-olds. That's what I'll Yes, say. definitely not for a... Th- I would... I, I don't know that I need it to be 13, like PG-13. Yeah, but, yeah, but I'd say but, like maybe 8 to 10. Yeah, I, I would almost say anything under 10, 10. is chancing it. Like... Okay. Um... Because there's just enough gore and stuff that I'm like I don't know. We've covered it. I'm not. I'm not very maternal, so I don't know. Sure. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I liked it. 
Um, I'd recommend it. And in terms of whether I think it's a Christmas movie or not, I think it can be. Um, yeah. I'm not sure that there's got been... enough-ish Christmas in it. It doesn't have, like, Christmas themes, perhaps. But, like... Well, it is it's about a clear gift. That it's Christmas time. It That's is about true. a gift that goes wrong. So that is um, true. You know, uh, that's something. Um, that's but true. yeah, I don't think there's quite as much maybe discussion about this movie and whether it belongs in a Christmas canon the way there is about Die Hard and stuff, right? Like I don't, <laughs> I don't feel yeah. like I've heard a lot of grumblings being like we should really get Gremlins out there as a Christmas movie. Um, <laughs> But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just not looking at the right yeah, parts know. of the internet. But it certainly serves as a very good Christmas movie for us here. So thank you, everyone, for yes. listening. Um, I am Sarah, and I'm here with Amy, and we will see you next week in space. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.